Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the WellFit Lab podcast. It's your girl, Shy A Thousand here, your host, and I'm so excited about today's podcast. Listen, this episode, we are talking to Lynn Lucas, and we're just going to name this episode The Mindset of a Black Woman in Tech. Lynn Lucas has had an illustrious career in the tech industry over the last 20 years. And as a Black woman in tech, you have to have a special mindset to navigate cultures of Fortune 500 organizations and still be successful and come out at the top of your game and not allow these cultures to actually bring you down. So Lynn is a change differentiator, identifying ways to help people become more adaptive and comfortable with change. She is also a mom of two and a Gen X influencer and a silver fox who loves travel and inspiring people to live their best and most lavish lives. All the things we want, right? That just screams self-care and screams mindset. So I can't wait for you guys to just join us in the lab. Let's dig into what the mindset of a Black woman, a successful Black woman in tech looks like and what it takes to get there. All right, this is a really great conversation. Grab your pen and paper and join us in the lab. You are not gonna wanna miss today's episodes and the gems that she drops. I'll see you in the lab. This episode is brought to you by CT Wellness Co. CT Wellness Co. is the leader in preventative stress management, providing services to corporations, colleges, and universities all over the world. Their motto is prevent, relief and handle stress today so you can live a better tomorrow. Hit the link in the bio to learn more about the resources that CT Wellness Co. offers that can support your well-being. Okay, so wanted to connect with you in regards to every year Black Women in Tech and right now like it's hashtag work in tech, hashtag tech job, hashtag tech career, Black Women in Tech and everyone wants that, right? I don't think that everyone knows what they're signing up for. Yes, it has these high paying salaries, but what comes along with those high paying salaries and not usually the trade-offs people actually expect. So can you tell us about the mindset that it takes to be a Black? First, I want to find out what is mindset to you? And then what is the mindset to be a Black woman in tech? Oh, that's a great question. Let me let me think. Let me preface that by saying um, I've been in the industry for 23 years. I've worked at several large scale um, enterprises. My opinions are my own. I'm speaking on my own behalf. I'm not on behalf of any of the companies that I work for, including my current company. So with that, um, <laughs> disclaimer, everybody. I have to disclaim everybody because I don't want no flack about what I'm saying, and I'm going to speak fairly transparently. Um, mm-hmm. It, I think the biggest thing for me is to not internalize um, the things that come my way and to not take things personally, because I understand that when people operate at a certain level, stakes are higher so that some of the interactions and engagements can be more intense. Um, one of the things that we lean into is sort of having passionate conversations and passionate discussions that might lead to decisions. But in those impassioned conversations, um, sometimes folks will push the envelope a bit, which can feel really uncomfortable. And you have to not internalize that and not personalize it and say, you know what, this is about the work. This is not about me or my, my abilities. And 
look at it from that perspective so it doesn't affect my ability to perform and deliver. I hope that made sense. It definitely makes sense. So I want to dig into that because I think from what I'm hearing you say is that to work in tech, you have to have a high level of emotional intelligence. Very much so. And, and self-awareness as mm -hmm. well as awareness of the people that you're operating around and with and under and over and reporting to. Well. <laughs> so, because I manage leaders a lot, not just mm -hmm. my and the folks in my management hierarchy. I also have to quote unquote punch above my love level to manage leaders of other orgs. Um, and that also requires some awareness of their motivations and how they operate and what they bring to the table, as well as where their weaknesses might lie and where their team shore them up and not to exploit those weaknesses, but to sort of engage them in ways that I can get the desired results. So yes, there's a high level of emotional intelligence as well as um, intellectual intelligence. And I know that's a weird way of putting that, but it's not just that you're smart. You have to be able to, to be smart as well as navigate with really smart people, which is probably the tougher part of my job. I love that you're going that route because I think that sometimes um, people want to be in an industry and don't always understand what's all encompassing of that industry. And specifically when it comes to tech, Tech people, people who are deep in tech are not known to be extroverts <laughs> or to be very engaging, right? So imagine yeah. you're, I'm a, high, I'm a highly extroverted in my level of engagement, but I'm also, um, I always say I'm, a, I, I'm not energized by engagement, which makes me an introvert, right? So right. extroverts, high extroverts are truly engaged by engagement. I am not, I can be highly engaging as an um, extrovert quality, but to be energized, I am energized by in um, solitude and being somewhat of an introvert. So I think that's really important to distinguish because with everyone wanting to be in tech, if you're a person that does not have maybe those qualities, that's going to be something that could be off-putting for you. And if you don't understand what it means to, I always say manage up, manage down, manage across, because there are a lot of times where you have to manage leaders and it's really just to help them level set expectations and understand what's the ask right now, because people do project and that's where you reel the leader back in and you're like, nope, this is what we need right now. <laughs> that is such a great way of putting it. I just had that conversation with the leader about five minutes before I jumped on with you. Um, I, and to your point, I'm a socially engaging introvert in that I can turn the extrovert on if I need things, um, but I get recharged with, um, you know, solitude and meditation and yoga and doing like sports that are like solo people things like swimming. Um, people don't give that enough credit. A lot of coders, and I'm going to pick on them specifically because when people think about nerds and people that work in tech, they always think about the developers and folks that write code. They're an introverted bunch. So engaging them is different than engaging leaders whose whole you know, existence is to provide a vision to and motivate their team. So they're always kind of pitching and, and engaging folks and, and pushing folks. Um, so you have to not only be self-aware, but you have to be aware of what they need to get what 
they're working on done. Like if I'm engaged in introverts, I need to clear blockages and a lot of times keep folks from talking to them <laughs> so that they can focus on the work at hand. For leaders, I just need to give them the baseline amount of information they need to make a quick decision and let them run with this so they can motivate their teams. Um, and I don't think that people think about that when they associate that with roles. If you're a pure introvert and you like being by yourself and figuring out problems, coding and developing might be for you. If that's not your style or you're not wired for that, you might be better off being a business analyst or a product manager or um, a, a program manager so that there's a lot of cross-team engagement and interaction with people to get things done. But I don't think a lot of folks give any of that any weight. I think you are so right. And I love this conversation. Okay. So I think it's so dope because on so many levels, you want to get into an industry. And what people don't realize is the job description is just that. It's just a description. It does not get into the nuances or idiosyncrasies that come along with the role. And so I love that you actually just gave people points of reference of what they should really go into. And I think I wholeheartedly agree with you having worked that we have a mutual company in um, together where we both worked that we won't say his name, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but having worked there and also having worked for other tech companies since then, it's been so interesting because to your point, like the coders, the introverts, as the person on the other side, your job is really, you become the gatekeeper. Right. You keep people from them so right. that they can focus because then they get distracted and they get frustrated because people keep talking to them and they're like, can you talk to her, please? <laughs> I don't even want to talk to y'all. So exactly. they, they get taken out of their group. But then you have leaders who need to, they need to get their vision out. So they need an in-between person. So you become like the gatekeeper hybrid person that gets all these things done. And a lot of the time, you may not even be a project manager to be doing that aspect of a role because that does see, fall into a more project management piece of it. But you may not officially, air quotes, be the project manager. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Oh, gosh, that project manager, program manager, business analyst, uh, tech analyst role. I've worn many hats in the industry and I've worn officially had those titles. Um, the day-to-day -day, though, it may very well be acting on behalf of engineers or software dev managers acting in their stead to get things done, going to get business requirements from your business users or customers, um, trying to land on dates when things need to be delivered. If any risks are popping up, trying to identify those risks, mitigating those risks, gauging whether the risk can be mitigated, engaging the right folks to um, manage those risks and, and handle those risks or transferring them to other um, teams. Um, it can be all or any of those. And as to your point, it could be any of those titles. People approach me on LinkedIn and other like, um, career-oriented social media sites all the time wanting to ask questions about the industry. And the thing that I normally tell them is, yes, go to the job um, requisitions. That's your baseline, like what they're looking for, the baseline requirements, the qualifications, basic qualifications, which are typically non-starters. And we should talk about that a little bit too, but, but also when you 
go out and do research. There are videos on YouTube and on LinkedIn where folks are talking about their day-to-day. -day. You have people on Instagram and Twitter talking about their day-to-day -day that are actually doing what they do. Now that reels and videos, a short form video formats are very popular, you have more people wanting to, reasons to create content. So they're creating content around these tech roles. Watch those videos. I know it's some effort on the the newbies part to spend time doing this, but you know, do some research, watch the videos where people talk about their day-to-day -day and what they do. Go to the job requisitions and read the basic qualifications so they know this is the minimum that I need to get these jobs. Go out to Facebook groups or any other discussion boards, Reddit, maybe not some of the other ones, but, and talk to folks about what the day-to-day -day is like and the kind of tasks that they wanna be involved in. And then use that to figure out a plan to get to the career path you wanna get into. Awesome. Okay, so now that we've laid that groundwork, what is the mindset that you think has allowed you to be so successful in this industry as a black woman? And let's be clear, everybody, you heard the intro, but I don't think you really understand. So I'm actually going to have um, Lynn's, her bio information, her LinkedIn link, everything is going to be in the show notes because she is out here running the game, okay? And it's not a lot of Black women in her sector of even business, but it's not even a lot of Black women at the level, right? So how do you think that your mindset and understanding these nuances has helped you over the last 20 years navigate to where you're currently at, at a major organization and running the game, having been on the non-AWS side of one thing and on the AWS side of another? That's a great question. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was that I, I don't take no for an answer. And I know that sounds like so simplified, like, oh, she just doesn't. I've had many, many people over the course of my career tell me that I couldn't do something from the entry, my ingress point, going back to school and deciding I wanted to be in the field to taking up comp sci as a major instead of some of the other majors, to hands-on learning the code, to applying for my first, you know, big tech job, to coming to um, the company that we won't talk about where I currently work. Um, I've heard no more often than I've heard yes. And I've worked without support and without cheerleaders and without evangelists and without, you know, folks putting the battery in my back to get you know, help me get where I'm trying to go. No for me has always kind of been the fuel to get me to do something. I'm really, really stubborn like that. When somebody tells me I cannot do something or I shouldn't do something, I tend to be like, you know what, watch. And then I go off and do it. Um, and that's probably been the biggest determiner of where I've landed in my career path. Um, and this might be a segue. I've said to myself over the last couple of years specifically that my imposter syndrome has probably fueled a lot of my career. I turned it from a weakness into a strength because I know that I'm better than the imposter syndrome that resides in my head. And a lot of Black women have imposter syndrome about whatever career path they choose. Um, but I also knew, even though I was fighting it, I also knew that I'm better than the imposter syndrome that was sort of 
in my head so that I would try to outperform it or I would try to outperform the no. So when someone told me, you know what, going back to school as a grown adult with two kids is probably a bad idea, I did it anyway. And when someone said, you know, instead of coding, you should do like networking because all of the money's in networking, I went ahead and learned to code anyway. And then when someone's like, you can't work for a big company like UPS, like you don't, you're not qualified, you don't have the right qualifications. I went ahead and applied for the internship program that landed me my first job. So when folks tell me, you know, I tend to do an analysis in my own head about whether I think I'm capable, if I'm, you know, have the, the baseline intellect or intellectual capabilities to, to try and do it and then assess how much risk it's putting me at and what skills I need to acquire to get where I'm trying to go. And then I focus on that as my plan instead of focusing on the no that I heard. But I don't want us to seem like that's easy because a lot of folks fight imposter syndrome and they don't get there that easily. But that is the first thing that came to mind when you asked me the question. So I love that you brought it there um, because I just heard somebody say in the last like week or two that imposter syndrome is really acting. It's making it seem like you don't you're not qualified. You don't have it right. But you actually do. And so it's also recognizing within yourself that you do have these qualities. And so that when someone does say you can't do it, they're more so reflecting themselves and not you. They right. can't do it. They're not capable or they don't have the wherewithal to get through that no the way you had it to get through that no. And it really dealing with that imposter syndrome it, within yourself is the biggest, biggest opportunity. And I love that you said you've used it as fuel throughout your career, because I think it's really about how you frame it, which is how we are at minus the mindset, talking about the mindset of it, how you frame it is help what is what helps propel you. And I think it's really interesting because you use someone telling you no to get an internship. And what we don't realize, especially as women, women are normally 70% qualified for roles, 70% or more qualified for roles that they are considering and will not um, apply. And men are only 30% qualified and will apply with all audacity and all confidence and ask for the highest salary. And they are only 30% qualified. So we really got to deal with imposter syndrome. And I know it's a societal thing more so than anything else because it feeds us that we're not capable. And when it comes to STEM in general, we are taught from a young age, girls don't do math well. Girls don't do these things well. So it's a, it's bred into us to be imposters because you're like, I do this well. Well, they said I couldn't. So how do, how do I navigate this? So right. learning how to out, just really break the mold of what and unlearning what people are telling you is really, that's so key to just being and pushing and getting through in a lot of situations because people will limit you. They will be dream killers and really try and limit your growth and only if we allow them to, can they? They don't have the power, we do. All of that, especially the statistics about how qualified um, women are when they apply for a job versus how their male counterparts are and the, the variance in pay because we don't ask for what we're worth and how much we think we need to have. I've been interviewing for tech forever, longer than my tenure at my current company. I interviewed at a 
two of my former companies that folks can see on my LinkedIn. So I knew this before I came here. So I've been at the interviewer and I've interviewed candidates for multiple roles, engineering roles, um, non-tech roles, like program manager roles that have no technical component or project manager roles that have no technical component, business analyst roles that have no technical component. Um, the way that folks will second guess themselves and talk women, let me be really clear and specific, the way black women or women will talk themselves out of a role when sometimes their male counterparts will come in and it is all cap. And I'm saying it that way because that's the vernacular of our people, but you can tell that they're exaggerating their um, competencies, exaggerating their experiences and exaggerating their skills. Because if you ask them questions over and over again or try to deep dive on questions or iterate on questions, they can't give you the same information twice. Like the stories change as they're like going over it again. So I see it all the time. Um, and I wish I could give that to women like, listen, you're probably overqualified. You know, you can't say that in an interview, but you're probably overqualified for the position. So tell me what you've actually done. Don't try to ex exaggerate or add anything to it because that's probably going to get you in the door for whatever position um but the gap is is so wide and i always want to tell women like listen go for it and if it doesn't work out you know take a bead like take some notes iterate on the notes that you take figure out ways to improve and then go after it again like the when Puffy and Jay-Z say things about, you know, I can't lose, it's because they keep trying. <laughs> like, and they keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Please continue this conversation. Like, seriously, y'all, if y'all not taking notes, I don't know what you're doing. Because right now, Lynn is Jen dropping. And the fact that, let's get into salary. Let's get into tech negotiating Ooh. salary as a Black woman. Like, <laughs> I, okay, so... Y'all, I think we've talked about this before, but I don't think I've referenced it in quite some time. So in my day job, because I do the podcast, I do have a speaking business. However, I also have a day job. I'm not one of those people who's like, nine to five, who needs that? I'm going to be full-time entrepreneur and struggle. No, I'd rather have a quarter of something that's doing something than 100% of something doing nothing. So let's be clear. So um, I'm a recruiter. And I've done tech recruiting, I've done finance recruiting, I've done retail recruiting. And it's very interesting when I have to have the conversation about um, leveling on expectations for kind of, and people, these, I mean, so many women, ladies, seriously, <laughs> I don't care your ethnicity or what, ask for more money. Not just ask for more money, like, girl, grab a bag. Ask from the beginning, can I have, like, I want, this is what I want. Do you have signing bonuses? What's the full, full compensation package? And when you're putting in your expectations, make sure you're clear and say, this is my expectation on base. Like, let's be clear with that because right. that's a whole nother bag that you could get because you like, this is base. And they're like, okay, well, then we got to get her a signing bonus. We got to do all this other stuff. Yeah, so Lynn, please exactly. dig into that. The one thing that I wish for, and I'm glad that you talked about base versus the additional comp, like bonuses, uh, stock options, uh, relocation costs. Um, 
is as a newbie to the industry, I had no idea about any of that. So I didn't go, I didn't even know that not my salary was negotiable. So I got, I was cheap at first. Um, over time that I've learned to do my research and I'm going to keep talking about folks doing their research because they think it's a cakewalk. Nope. Go out to Glassdoor or salary.com or any of the other websites that where people, users share salary data. Put in the job title that you're looking for, the company that you're looking for, the region um, that you're interested in, the years of tenure that you think you bring to the table, and look at the band that Total Comp comes in at. It'll give you a portion that's cash, and then the portion that's portion that's additional comp that's based on bonuses, stock options, um, adjustments for locality, and or any other forms of compensation, relocation costs, and that kind of thing. And then, and the adjustments for tenure. And then add, still add more to the bag. And if you don't want to add more cash because you think you're going to like price yourself out of the market, ask for time off. Ask for additional benefits. Like yeah. I, when I came into the company that I currently work for, <clears throat> I knew to ask for the bag. I also knew enough to ask for additional time off because I had banked because of the tenure at my old company. I had additional time off that I wasn't willing to lose. Um, Y'all know I like to travel and traveling requires me to have vacation time and personal time that allows me to travel. So I asked for the additional time and my friends who were listening to me as part of the negotiation, pro negotiation process were like, are you nuts? They're throwing cash at you. I'm like, the cash is cute, but cute, but I also need stock. And I need the stock at this price. And I need to, it to vest over this time period. Um, and they're like, what, what do you mean vest over this time period? Okay, if I stay at the company for X amount of years, I get X amount of stock units. But what if I don't stay that those X amount of years? What if I stay half that time or a fourth of that time? How many stock units do I get over that you know, one-year period or two-year period or the entire four-year period? Um, how many vacation weeks do I get year one versus year three versus year five? Are they giving me incentives to stay with the company over a, you know, two, five, 10 year period? Are there bonuses, additional bonuses or additional stock units or additional vacation time that I accumulate as a result of me being loyal to the company? All of that should be part of your um, compensation negotiation. And I don't think people pay enough attention to that because they get that first bag and they think, oh, this is gravy. No, no, no. That first bag is a carrot on the stick to get you in the company. And once they have you, they may not give you any additional comp over time. You have to perform to get it. And once you're in the company performing at the level they expect is much harder than that first bag they give you to join. So you have to look at your whole compensation compensation structure over the time you intend to stay with the company in order to make sure that you're happy at day one, as well as happy over the period of time that you plan on working for the company. So research, research, I will keep saying that, research, talk to people, but also do your own independent research to, to figure out the numbers that are pleasing to you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm just loving this right now because, okay, two things, my disclaimer. So Lynn said, check out Glassdoor. I'm going to tell you, be very careful with Glassdoor. Someone went on Glassdoor and reported me and said they interviewed with me. What Ooh. they didn't do, they didn't say that they screened with me. They never even interviewed for the job. So be very careful with Glassdoor because people don't understand the interview process and they'll speak as if they've been through the interview. 
And you can usually tell the people that actually have been through the interview, because as you're reading the reviews and stuff like that on a roll, they'll have more in-depth information. They won't be talking surface. Don't look at the only the surface comments only. Really dig into it because you got to be really careful as a recruiter. I was able, I Google myself all the time. So I'm encouraged everybody to Google themselves. And it came up and I was like, oh, wait, wait a second. I didn't, this person didn't even interview because I'm not the interviewer. I right. screen people for the manager and I get them to the next step. So the fact that the person could only name me, I knew they didn't go through the process because I'm not even the manager that interviews them. So just be really careful with that. What do you that's, say, a, that's a great example of some of the office politics or sociocultural things that we deal with that people don't talk enough about in the industry. That was a great example of the things that people do at this level in the industry. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. When people wonder when, when we talk about office politics and the, the extracurricular things that come along with working at this level, that's a great example. Now, I, I want to keep saying that because I don't know that people, Black women, Black people anticipate those kinds of things happening. And it happens mm -mm. way more often than a lot mm -hmm. of us can speak to because a lot of us are under NDAs. Mm -hmm. and we can't talk about this stuff publicly. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I'm that's why I wanted to just put that out there because honestly, when it happened to me, it was the first time it ever happened to me. I've never had anyone put my name down like, oh, this person, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, no, 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 that's not even accurate. So just, you just got to really, when Lynn says do your due diligence and do your research, it's really important. And I think on top of that, really being able to be mindful that you don't have to um, accept the relocation package. Relocation packages. I love that this is turned in from mindset to like dollars. Let's get in it. But <laughs> relocation packages, um, they come with contingencies. And what people don't know is that average is like two years that you have to continue to work for the organization or you have to pay it back. So be mindful of that because a relocation package sounds amazing at first. Mm -hmm. But then when you hit in like month 12, month 18, and you like, oh, I don't want to do this no more. you like, <laughs> I got six more months. I'm going to tell you, right. I got a relocation package and I was on like month 15 and I was like, yo, this is, I love this, but this is a little crazy. By the right. time we got to month 18, month 20, I was like, I'm not, I might not be able to do this no more. I think I left within two days of my two year anniversary. That was my two week notice to walk away without <laughs> having to pay back my package. Okay. Yeah. So be very clear because it, it the average is two years. And you don't always have to take it. So there are, within the organization, we won't name, majority of the people move themselves. I'm going to just be straight up. A lot of people move themselves because it also gives you a different, everyone doesn't know it, but it does give you a different form of leverage. Because if you are now willing to move yourself, you can then start asking for other stuff. Like you don't have to take the sign-on bonus. You can ask for more stock instead of the sign-on bonus. Mm-hmm. And they're saving their money and by not giving that to you, they're like, oh, okay. Especially because they're not paying full price for the stock. So these right. are things that you don't realize until you're in it. And it's usually too late because un un unlike other um, cultures and Black communities, we don't always have this conversation because we may not even know anyone at that level to have this level of conversation. It's becoming more common now with social media. So you don't have to know the person per se. 
So you're getting access to a lot more information, but there are still a lot of nuances. Unless you have a mentor in the space or someone close to you, you may not get the full details of the role um, and what the contingencies look like when it comes to compensation. That is such, those are such gems. And, and thank you for sharing this, but also note that the, um, the stock packages, we're talking six figures for your stock packages, depending mm -hmm. on how many stock units you get and the price of the stock and those kind of things for any of the Fang or Mang companies. Um, the wait, wait, pause. Can you wait, pause. What is Fang and Mang for those oh. who don't know? <laughs> Sorry. I always refer to acronyms because I'm such a nerd. Fang <laughs> is for the larger scale tech companies that most people associate as quote unquote big tech. And Fang um, stands for Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Alternately, I've heard people refer to Mang, including Microsoft and omitting Facebook because Facebook may not be as desirable as a company to work for, depending on who you ask and your career goals. No judgment on my end. Um, I've heard people refer to Mang. People sometimes also throw in, um, trying to think who else, Uber sometimes. It depends on the locale. On the um, West Coast, you might throw in an Uber or some of the Silicon Valley companies in the acronym just because they're larger tech firms. Here on the East Coast is different because there's a lot of fintech and government tech firms. So we don't use the term here as much. Um, I hope that explains for the audience. Yeah, that was perfect. That was so perfect. Okay, so then now um, to like bring it to another section, how has you, how do you think that your faith has helped your mindset in navigating the culture of tech and what people perceive the culture of tech as a Black woman? Oh, that's a great question, particularly given how you and I met, because we met on a retreat and that yes. it was a spiritual retreat that I needed to be on because I was stressed out at work. And that is probably the message I want to get across. My faith ha had to be strong because in the course of my 20, it's literally been 23 years this year, um, I've had many challenges and my faith grounds me. My faith gets me through. My faith helps me to stay centered. My faith renews my faith in myself and my abilities and my capabilities my faith my faith allows me to extend grace to the people that i work with who are incredibly challenging dynamic intelligent individuals but challenging to deal with on a regular basis all of the ways that i work through and around some of the challenges working with other talented intelligent individuals having passionate conversations as well as the wins that I've, the quote unquote wins and successes that I've achieved have all been based on my faith. Fun fact, my first tech internship job slash job, because my internship led me to getting hired at a Fortune 100, was because I got into it with a customer on a telephone call and the customer blessed me out. And I responded by hanging up the phone and telling my supervisor I could not take another call that day. It was incoming um, dial-up support calls for our ISP. And I know that's super old language. People are not going to know what, what I mean. But it was a, a, a tech support rep call. Um, I got off the phone and was like, Father, if this is meant for me to do something in this industry, I'm going to need you to deliver me now because I cannot keep doing this. And as I was angry and surfing the internet 
I stumbled across the internship that led to my first Fortune 100 job. Um, it also led me to get 30 college credits, university credits for my bachelor's degree. Like it was literally like a lottery ticket of stuff to kick off my career that landed in my lap as a result of me saying, Lord, please just help me out of the situation because I can't deal with this anymore. Um, so a lot of the things that I've done have been faith-based and I believe in the power of speaking things into existence, but I also believe in having a direct relationship with the creator so that he can continue to keep you grounded and focused and blessed. Um, and that's probably been one of the other primary drivers of over the course of my entire career. I love that. I, I love that you were able to recognize the connection, right? Because a lot of the time we make we say these prayers, and then when he does it, we don't always give him credit, or we don't always recognize the connection when it actually comes through. But you were able to see that, like almost immediately, like, no, this is definitely this was a door opening. Yeah. And it was weird because I didn't believe it. Like it was one of those, this is not really going to happen. Like, you know, it's too good to be true. The, mm -hmm. the internship offered me 30 of my university credits. I graduated with a bachelor's in computer information systems as a result. And it, it was all of the courses in my major basically wiped out in a five month period as a result of this program. And mm -hmm. the job doubled my salary at the time literally doubled what, what I was making at the time. And it all happened over the course of altogether six months. I wow. didn't believe it when I read the, the program information. I thought it was a joke. I thought there's no way that this would really happen. As I was going through the program, I wasn't sure, you know, <laughs> that they were going to fulfill their promises. Because a lot of times when companies um, commit to things, they may change their mind and they'll include language in the contract or language in the program materials to give them an opt out. I wasn't sure they were going to have good faith and honor their commitment. And then I had a family emergency happen about three weeks before the program ended. And I really thought that that was going to prevent me from completing my program. Um, I say all that to say, like, even as it was going on, I didn't believe that it was actually happening. And it was only like a year later after I was done with everything and, and everything had settled in hindsight, like that was nothing but God, because I couldn't have, if I had planned it that way, I wouldn't have planned it that way. I wouldn't have given myself that big of a goal to actually achieve. And I would have second guessed all of the little milestones it took to get to the achievements. So I'm, I'm truly blessed, but also, um, and grateful, but also cognizant <laughs> of where all of this came from. Like I, I did a lot of the work, but I know where the blessings came from, so. That part, okay, so. The way you just broke that down was awesome, but I love how you just tell it um, at the end. So you did the work. Let's be clear. Faith without works is dead. And so you cannot have all this faith sitting in your house and never apply for a job, never take a course, never do anything and think you're going to get it. That ain't going to happen. But if you do the work and you have your faith intact, listen, you pray and God is going to, he wants to get you the desires of your heart. So I love that you said that because that's really how this thing works. But you can't think you're going to go into it without doing anything, especially if you feel like, oh, well, I deserve more. But you do and you should, but you're not going to get it on your couch. So <laughs> and let's be clear about that. That's And that's not for everybody, right? There, there's I think there's different qualities that we each have 
that really propels us to our next. So if you're a person that really just wants to be home, maybe this industry is not going to be the industry for you if you feel you just want to sit on a couch because it's going to take a lot of hard work to get in. And it's going to take even more hard work navigating the nuances of the culture at all of these organizations that Lynn has already spoken about have completely different cultures and what's important to them culturally that you have to be mindful of as well. So thank you so much, Lynn, because I think to be in tech, period, as a Black woman, to be in tech, to be in any organization, especially right now, you have to have faith. <laughs> you cannot be anywhere without no faith. Definitely. Definitely. Um, And I don't, I want to say this in a way that it doesn't seem mean, like I'm, I'm, I mean this inherently, like in the spirit of love, when I say this, working with people who are challenging socially, you have to be grounded in some, something, like you have to be figure out a place to pull grace from, to, to deal with them in ways where you're extending grace to them to allow them to perform the way they need to perform so you can get what you want. It's not being weak. Um, and it's also not letting folks take advantage of you. It's treating them the way that ideally you'd want to be treated if all things were fair. And that comes out of my relationship with the creator. Um, and I pull on that a lot, but you probably know that from your interactions in these oh, companies. Yeah. You have oh, to, yeah. yeah. You have to. And then I think that's why I wanted you to speak on the fact that everyone, the biggest thing is everyone's not going to be like you, right? Even if they're in your level, they're not going to be like you. And when you get into tech, there are so many different, much more introvert, introverted personalities that when you are a person that has to lead these teams and you think, oh, I'm just going to be a project manager and I'm going to lead a team. It's not what you think it is in the aspect, oh, I'm just leading people. You really have to pull the best out of each person. Yeah, there will be some people who stand out on your team, but there will be other people where you're constantly just pulling out and they don't even realize that they're challenging. To Lynn's right. point earlier, you really have to be self-aware and then be able to communicate because these people don't even know that they're challenging most of the time. And that's where the high level of um, emotional intelligence comes in there. Definitely, definitely. And throw toss in the fact that some of these folks come out of college because they've been gifted their whole life and they did well. Mm -hmm. They come out of college making the NBA, you know, starting player salaries. Like literally a, a, a colleague and I were talking about the fact that these salaries have gotten kind of crazy. The compensation package overall, not just cash, but cash plus mm -hmm. stock options and other stuff has gotten crazy. And it makes, it can, not always, but it can make people really cocky and mm -hmm. arrogant to deal with. And sometimes you have to be the voice of reason like, okay, you got a 4.0 in college and you were you know, a star as a you know, entry-level developer, but you're here now and you work mm -hmm. around a whole lot of other really smart people. You don't just get your way. You have to work, mm -hmm. how to work with people. And, and those are difficult conversations sometimes to have with the really smart people, um, but you have to have that in your, your toolkit also and mm -hmm. for me at least that comes from my relationship with God so oh man this is good thank you Lynn thank you so much for coming in today and being a guest listen I was going to ask Lynn um what her suggestions are or advice would be this whole episode was advice so I don't need <laughs> to ask <laughs> you better rewind and grab these gems that she was dropping because honestly this episode was so rich of just advice and um this is stuff you you get in some twitter spaces 
This is stuff you only get if you have a relationship a lot of time. So really don't take this lightly when you're listening. I really hope that you are taking notes. And if this is something that you're interested in, I'm sure Lynn wouldn't mind me saying this, but when I drop her LinkedIn in there, definitely connect with her on LinkedIn. I'm not saying bombard her with like DMs and stuff. We want to navigate this well because listen, you want to shoot your shot, but don't just be shooting <laughs> air balls, okay? When you're asking somebody for support and help, a lot of y'all will shoot your shot on these professional networks and they be air balls. You better come to the table with some questions, some information, and don't waste anyone's time. Think about what we're saying. Lynn is a high-value Black woman in tech. Her time is also money. So if you reach out, be prepared. You better have questions. You better have looked at job descriptions. You better come with something. Do not, or don't even hit me up either. Don't send us y'all resume talking about, oh, I'm going to get in tech. What, what do you think my resume can do? I'm going to tell you right now, don't do it. Yeah, don't do that. I bill it like 175 an hour too. So don't like be ready. If you're trying to get that kind of career advice, be ready with like a cash app, you know, a Venmo or PayPal or something because I might charge. But um, to your point, yes. I, we write and I know Shia writes, I write. We'll point you to articles and things that we've written like, okay, this is the help you need. Here you go. And avail yourself of the things that we write so that if we're giving out advice repeatedly, like the this article tells you exactly what to do so you can use that instead. Absolutely. Okay, so this episode, let's just recap. Lynn has given you compensation information. She has given you information on that successful mindset that has led her to where she is. She has even talked about how she stays balanced with self-care and us going on a wellness retreat. And that's how we met. You got everything in this episode. I really want y'all to like, subscribe, follow Lynn on LinkedIn, but really I want you to just drop, jot down the notes, get the gems that were dropped. If you need to listen to this episode more than once, please do so because Lynn dropped crazy gems. Thank you, Lynn, for your time. I appreciate you. And do you want the folks to follow you on Instagram or you only want them to follow you on LinkedIn? Because you know, it's a different little energy on Instagram. It is. I don't, I'd love anybody to follow me on Instagram. Just know I don't really talk about tech a lot on Instagram because I'm under NDA and there's only so much I can talk about on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're looking for more career advice, follow me on LinkedIn. If you're looking for like the gamut of travel and other stuff follow me on instagram but also thank you so much for having me because i love talking about this and you ask great questions so i appreciate you giving me the forum always absolutely oh my gosh anytime honestly i feel like we need to do a part two so once this drops i want y'all to let us know if we should do a part two and what i'll do is i'll add it as a bonus episode this season and we'll come back and if you send us questions we'll actually go through your questions and I think that could be really good, too, because we can answer a couple of people's questions throughout the time. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this is another episode of the WellFit Lab. Do not forget to like and subscribe and follow, follow Lynn on LinkedIn. All right, guys. Bye.